everyone welcome to the inclusive activism podcast i am always is your host rowdy duncan and today we're going to be doing an interview and i'm very excited to have reina come from the organization aliento and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her her work what she does how she does certain things how she helps speak and advocate for humans because that work is very similar to the work that we do here without talking too much and doing too long of an intro for the podcast specifically. <laughs> so Raina, if you could introduce yourself to the audience, uh, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and how you found your sp yourself in the Aliento space. Yeah, hello everyone, my name is Reina Montoya. I was born in Tijuana, Mexico, long time ago, well not that long, <laughs> in 1990. And during that time, I grew up there until I was about 10 years old. So we ended up migrating out of a lot of trauma and violence. My dad unfortunately was kidnapped at that moment. So I didn't know, I was just picked up from school one day. My mom was like, hey, get up your backpack. We're gonna leave. I just remember I couldn't say like goodbye to my friends or my teachers. And it was just like, I just had to move because that's what 10 years old do. Listen right. to your parents, yeah. right? This and is you what's just happening. follow them. Yeah. So I didn't know that everything was going on, but I did know that I wasn't allowed to play. I wasn't allowed to be under by myself without super, adult supervision. Mm -hmm. So there was always the sense of like, be careful what information you share, be careful who you're around, be careful that you're not alone, and that you're not allowed to play with the rest of the kids in the street, because that's mm -hmm. dangerous. So now as an adult, I get to like make meaning of that and it makes so much sense knowing that my dad had to go through that experience. Luckily for people who are wondering, he was let go. He wasn't physically harmed, but all the psychological trauma that sure. was there was very deep. Yeah. So we ended up moving, migrated to Nogales, uh, mm -hmm. Sonora, just like three hours down the border from mm -hmm. here from Phoenix. And in there, every time my dad would see like a police officer, he would get really shaken up you know because they were the ones associated with the kidnappings at that mm -hmm. moment so long story short fast forward many years from now that's looking for safety looking for a better place where he could raise his family that's why we ended up moving to mesa arizona where i grew up went to junior high high school mm -hmm. graduated then went to school got my bachelor's in political science another one in transporter studies with an emphasis on immigration and economy policy and i minor in dance mm -hmm. so that's a little bit about me kind of uh, growing up undocumented without papers on trying to make sense of the world, knowing that going to school was a big challenge of mine just because I didn't have a nine-digit digit number, and then learning more about about finding my voice and knowing that that I could do something about it, that I could talk about my experience and share with people that don't know about policy, they don't know how this impact real people. So that's why I started like finding my voice, and then. Um, later on after being involved in community organizing my dad gets detained so that was the real test and the real challenge it was not only about advocating for myself and for my friends but now i was in this moment that i wasn't sure if my dad was gonna be back and what would that do to my family so it was a very emotional 
roller coaster for me because I knew how to organize, I knew how to do a campaign, how to get petitions, how to um, get it on the media and get attorneys, but I didn't know how to process that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my journey with Aliento began. Mm-hmm. As in, as a dancer, as a mover, I started using art as a form of expression and mm-hmm. being able to create choreography and movement about my dad not being here. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to forming Aliento, which is a community organization that works predominantly with youth and children to transform the trauma of family separation or the injustices that being undocumented or having papers Mm -hmm. creates in the community and how do we transform into hope and action yeah and i saw uh you're having some growth i saw you posted three (laughs) positions for that recently do you want to tell us a little bit more about that in case there's some great folks that would love to join you down there yes definitely we are opening a position with the arts and healing program coordinator which gets to work with children youth and families to to play with art and being able to use it as a form of expression where we can express our fears, our hopes, and really imagine a different world. Mm -hmm. And also do a lot of open mics and Mm -hmm. community engagement. We're also looking for a community organizing right now. As many people might not know, but institution was taken away from DACA recipients in the state of Arizona. So we have a robust campaign that we're looking for some students ideally directly impacted by this or that they're very driven so we're looking for an organizer for that and then someone who helps me do grant writing mm-hmm. which is a whole new world more on the yes. business side yes but it's the lifeblood having that grant yeah. writing stuff is a really big deal in your space because the less time you can spend asking for money the more time you get to spend doing the work and that's what's so important. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with this, uh, I also uh, understand that recently you just started your podcast. So I wanted you to kind of talk about your podcast, what it does, what you're hoping to do with it, where you hope it may grow to, and mm-hmm. what it might do in the future. Yeah. Uh, so if you are a podcaster and love listening to podcasts in your commute, we're encouraging to go to alientoic.org mm-hmm. forward slash podcast. Mm-hmm. So our hope with our podcast is to explore the intersection of the arts, culture, immigration, politics, and education, and really being able to bring like the human aspect, how we are connected. We might not know what's going on with in the immigration space, but we want to do something about it, or we're hearing and we're being outraged about what we're seeing in the news. Mm-hmm. How can we have a space to have a dialogue and a conversation about how this impacts real people mm-hmm. and also equip us with the knowledge? Because, I mean, let's be honest, we live in a world that there's a lot of like alternative facts and misinformation. So, yeah. how can people have like a reliable information that they can access? And we just hope to spark your your research and we mm-hmm. just want you to spark your thinking so then you can dig in and start at least knowing where to look for because mm-hmm. a lot of people were like well immigration seems so complex so how can we break it down for you and then you can start knowing about hey this is not only happening because we have trump mm-hmm. it's been happening for many years and yes. how can people learn about the history and the political context of, of why we're here great well that question sets up the next question that i have uh perfectly so um again you know sharing with myself i'm indigenous so um we get a lot of uh like as indigenous people uh we get the benefit of a lot of guilt Mm. um there's a lot of white guilt about indigenous people specifically Mm -hmm. because uh and it's nice because we get to use our voice in very like helpful ways because uh when someone says like uh 
you didn't come here illegally. And I was like, who did? Because <laughs> uh, even when we came here, there was no law set up. We just kind of were walking or canoeing or whatever. We don't, you know, the tradition of how we came here isn't certain. Um, but I don't remember filling out any paperwork. Like my great, 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 great uh, grandparents didn't do any paperwork. <laughs> no one stamped it. Uh, it was just a space and we were probably just looking for a place to be. So, um, that's kind of my experience with borders. Like it seems, you know, it doesn't make m much sense. We kind of knew to respect other people's space, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, you don't go to someone's home and act a certain way, right? So, I mean, I do, there's a recognition of like where people are and what space is your space and what space isn't, isn't your space. But by no means was it like, you can never come to our house. In indigenous culture, we almost needed to like visit different people to have a decent amount of uh, biodiversity for our uh, offspring, right? So we couldn't just like intermarry forever. We had to kind of trade people and children, but that's how we got <laughs> along, right? Because then we kind of yeah. related differently. So um, can you talk to talk to uh, folks about what's your notion of borders? Uh, how do you see borders uh, and humans? And is there intersections or is there spaces and places for them even? Mm -hmm. So I come from a border town. That's where I, I grew up until the age of 10. And then I moved to another border town. And then I came to the US. And I think growing up, I had a tourist visa. Mm -hmm. So the commute was very transnational. Mm -hmm. So I would go. I remember at the age of like eight being super excited because it was my first time at Disneyland. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, there's a lot of criticisms with that and like commercialism yes. that we're not going to get into. But still, kids but I mean, like Disneyland. Not okay. yeah. I wanted to see Mickey Mouse, right? right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so just like I remember having this access and being able, like, I was very privileged that I was able to come back and forth. And then out of the sudden, when we decided to move to the US, like, all that access was like shut down. Mm -hmm. So I think that that has positioned my my understanding about borders very differently and learning about how unjust they are and what you get to witness. Like one of the first times that I remember witnessing injustice was how my mom and I were treated versus how other people were treated crossing the border. Mm -hmm. So at that time we had both tourist visas and I would see border patrol flirting with my mom because she was a teen mom and and she just had me so she looked very young and it was just disgusting how they would just like flirt with her but my mom knew how to like um really like understood how the game existed so she would always say like you need to put your like clothes that are like Sunday church clothes right. that you're like really well put together because that's how you're not gonna get questioned. Right. And we can just have an easy transition. Yeah. And then while we had an easy transition, I see a woman who looks very indigenous, very humble. You can tell by her attire that she that she has some indigenous roots, just mm -hmm. the way that she's dressed. And and I remember that Border Patrol like asked her to go to second revision and they started questioning her and I was like why and I was a 10 year old little girl that I just knew there was something wrong with that mm -hmm. and every time that borders or these things comes into place that's the first thing that I think about I think about that woman and how how would have have felt to be heard and just because you seem or look at a specific way that you automatically are cut access mm -hmm. and are cut this opportunity of just being in another place. So for me, 
it doesn't make sense and I think what it is often missed about what are the borders that we're creating internally for each other so I think that it is easy to think about this is a country this is another country this is a territory it is the way that it has been by years and years mm -hmm. but I think that people forget that these policies and are coming from from people's fears mm -hmm. and they're coming from people not understanding or wanting to be in community or being afraid about the diversity or being afraid about getting to see their biggest fears reflected and manifested in reality so i often think about what are those unheard or unseen borders that we're constantly facing as human beings that we are too afraid to talk about them how do you try to get folks to face or cross or consider moving mm -hmm. borders and then also are there any borders that you think are good or healthy I think that there's a difference between borders and boundaries right mm -hmm. and I think that at least that's something that I'm constantly journaling about as right. like what are my boundaries and sometimes yeah. I need to put boundaries mm -hmm. in order to preserve preserve my my own health being but mm -hmm. then but then am I being too rigid or am I not allowing for me to lead with curiosity and learning mm -hmm. about other people or learning about other ways that people move in the world? Like, mm -hmm. I think that my biggest learnings as a human being have, have been in those moments of struggle and discomfort. Yeah. That it is easier to be along with the people that look like you, act like you, like the same things. I mean, nowadays with like Facebook and Instagram, I can just like really put that in a category and I don't have to even bother to to be engaged with the alt-right people mm -hmm. but in reality I grew up in Mesa Arizona which is like 90% white right <laughs> so then I had to be interacted with white people growing up and some of them are my best friends that they told me that if you don't have citizenship why should I have citizenship and being able to have those human connections even though that we might not see each other eye to eye or have the same background I think that that's where we build empathy and when we're really able to cross those borders that that are humanly imposed that that bring a lot of growth yeah yeah when I think about the idea because it's hard for us too, you know in the indigenous community in America specifically because yeah. you know we have our own problems with borders like you know here's the reservation mm -hmm. border here's where you're supposed to be here's how you're supposed to be in those spaces mm -hmm. and then the difference between uh, being on and off reservation what does that mean uh in america specifically mm -hmm. i am not remembering the tribe right now but i know there is a tribe that has their reservation that's across both borders yeah Tahana autumn that's thing. right yeah mm -hmm. um and that's got really complicated like the I mean, even as Mexicans in the Southwest context, right? It's like Arizona used to be Mexico. Right. And I mean, not for me in my generation, right? Like as millennials, but I mean, thinking even how far are you going to go back to? Right. And like, there's, I mean, we live in a now edge that intermarriage has it's so real and it's mm -hmm. so then who get like what's the thing about purity and whose yeah. land is it and then thinking about like the social contract and even property like when were you allowed to own property to who does that belong mm -hmm. i mean the slaves weren't able to allow property so then right. does that mean that they don't belong and then mm -hmm. who gets to decide all these questions yeah yeah but more and more uh from my own context that borders idea like i think it's a real big part of like the ability to other someone else mm -hmm. um and then keep yourself in a space of smallness i think that's the thing i worry about most it's funny because you would think um 
indigenous people would hate immigration, but you know, I think the biggest <laughs> thing for us is we're like, well, don't kick anybody out of their house, but it's not the, it, it doesn't have to be bad. It was bad. It was exceedingly <laughs> bad, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to be. And um, there are a few indigenous people that would want to kick people out of their homes, but most don't because we know mm -hmm. what that feels like. Um, so I think when you look at humanity and borders, because it becomes problematic in more than just our space, mm -hmm. Palestine, Israel, anywhere where people are displaced or yeah. forced or made to be in a certain space um, is different. I mean, um, and people do it here here all the time. Like, how many people from California and the Midwest do we have in Arizona? Right. And people don't talk about that migration. But it is a migration. Yeah. And it happens annually. I mean, they talk about it a little bit, right? The snowbirds <laughs> and the bias with the highway <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, you don't see the same type of punitiveness. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm sure you've been in a position where you've had to do this quite a bit. Um, how do you try to explain to people the difference between just and unjust laws? That's a good one. Isn't That's it? a hard one. I, I mean, know. I think that you get into this question about morality, right? You expect that some people. It becomes really difficult because then you can get. It can be a lot of nuances and it is really complicated and complex. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, at the same time, it's like. For me, whenever I have this big philosophical questions it goes back to if this were to happen to me if this were to happen to my little brother to someone that i care about would that be fair mm -hmm. would that be okay how would that make me feel because i think that that's what grounds me mm -hmm. and when we're having these conversations about what is just and unjust it's like is it okay to ever discriminate or punish and tear families away mm -hmm. in what context yeah is that okay right in what context are we as another human being have the power to create a law that is gonna prevent people to seek refuge mm -hmm. and refuge not only means from violence but it also means from from economic economic plead right mm -hmm. like and I think that oftentimes we become so isolated that we only think within our context and we forget about the foreign policies that the US has created in other in other countries and how everything has an impact mm -hmm. right it can be good it can be bad it can be in between but every action has an impact mm -hmm. so are we okay that by us creating a law having an impact that is gonna harm people yeah can we prevent that right and if it harms people and we can prevent that i feel that that's a definition of unjust yeah when i try to explain it i try to explain it against the difference between like natural mm -hmm. laws and just human laws because mm -hmm. human laws can easily not make sense right like um the whole yeah. like you can't wash your donkey in a bathtub on wednesdays like that's a law somewhere uh <laughs> And like no one really observes it, right? Yeah. Um, and everyone always acts like, you know, they always follow the law here, right? Like like you always drive the speed limit. Come on. I've never met the one that probably always drives the speed limit. I've seen those people going on 80 on the freeway oh, right. all the exactly. time. <laughs> um, but when you look at like natural laws and just and right, um, mm -hmm. I think there is an internal balance. Uh, I think there's 
sadly, people that can ignore that internal sense mm -hmm. of right and wrong really well, sadly. But I don't think humans are born without that thing. I think uh, people tell themselves rational lies about mm -hmm. why they do stuff. Um, but really getting into what's truly right, what's truly wrong, you know, if you believe in something bigger than yourself, mm -hmm. how will that idea potentially look at you in those actions? Um, I haven't seen a faith system yet that's been like, <laughs> harm other people, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, like everything seems to notice the symbiotic nature of people um, back and forth. And I try to find too is, I have to find a way to speak the language of the people that I'm talking to. So when I talk about Christians, Martin Luther King has some great stuff on mm -hmm. natural uh, or just unjust laws, um, but you have to find a way to make the appeal to the people that you're talking to. Because even Martin Luther King's Christian worldview doesn't work with evangelical Christians, mm -mm. sadly enough. But then you can kind of use sometimes their propensity to colonialize uh, in other spaces somewhat against them to put them in really uncomfortable spaces to really have to think about what does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, like, why is it okay to like go like and use missionary work as a way to colonialize and take people from their families here, but then the same folks right here are needing that assistance. Um, when you try to get people to have the ability to have all the answers, um, they find you can't have answers to everything. And I think people kind of like stall out. But yeah, it's hard. I think for me, it's more about leading with curiosity, right? And really mm -hmm. un understanding that it's like, why are you feeling that way? And mm -hmm. why do you think it makes it okay? And why do you have that these people don't have and why? Right. I think the why question is always the most important that, that I always go to when in doubt. <laughs> yeah, I've heard if you could ask five whys to anything mm -hmm. and you really think about it, you'll actually come to your true reason. Mm -hmm. But it takes a few whys to get to your final thrust of stuff. Um, so you do something that's really great and it's something I'm finding myself to need, needing to learn more about. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited to have you here to mm -hmm. ask you a part of it because I don't know as much about that. Like for me, I think when I look at healing and self-care, part of what I do to become more whole is going out and making a difference for other people. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I become more at peace. When I learn how to be a better person for other people, mm -hmm. I become better in that way. So my mm -hmm. form of healing is through uh, justice work. It's through um, mm -hmm. service, you know, just feeding folks that need human dignity is a great thing for me that always makes my soul feel better. But I haven't had the experience of using art as a medium or method for healing. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit more about that. Why is that something that's so important to you? Mm -hmm. Tell us about how um, you use dance, proxemic, spatial awareness, mm -hmm. movement to find ways to heal. Because when you're talking about the trauma, I mean, it's significant generational trauma that you're attempting to heal. You know, some people don't even believe in generational trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you can make an argument for it. It's just complicated, especially if you haven't experienced it so much. But it's true, right? You know, when you really look at the effects. So how do you use that? How do you make uh, arts a form of healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the way that I see art is as a tool for us to express things that are really hard to articulate or verbalize 
I have never met a person says, Hi, my name is Reina and I am terrified <laughs> of X, Y, and C. Like we don't yeah. we don't show up in the world like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that art it's a great way to give access for people to have another form of communicating about their feelings, their emotions, and really to try to make sense of what's going on around their surroundings. Mm -hmm within the immigrant community specifically something that we see day in and day out is that internalization about thinking that they're the only ones mm -hmm. the systems are intentionally designed to make you feel guilty to make you feel ashamed to make you feel isolated mm -hmm. so for us it's like how can we use art as a as a tool for people to remind themselves that they have agency mm -hmm. and that they can be creators mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be that way yeah. and they don't have to explain it if they don't feel like it yeah. and I think that's the beauty because it's like there was this workshop that we did and, and we were really processing about emotions and emotions are not good or bad they're just how you feel right mm -hmm. so how can we start teaching people about that so we had your typical ones right like anger fear love joy mm -hmm. and it was really funny because we started asking people hey can you color can you color the emotions mm -hmm. think about of a color that that you think about when you think of anger mm -hmm. and what is a color that you think when you think about anger usually they associate it with red with red yeah. what about love love is uh like it's a lighter red <laughs> a lighter red yeah. <laughs> yeah people typically do red yeah. or or pink but yeah. that's the, that's the cool thing that anger and love can be red mm -hmm. and nobody needs to know about that but right. you so then mm -hmm. that's when we started like using it as a tool for people to start well now let's talk about your emotions how you're feeling what are the struggles that you're going through and can you make a pain in out of that mm -hmm. so then it gives the freedom and it restores the agency of individuals to know that hey I can explore and it's okay for me to explore and it's okay for me to talk about my feelings and how and what do I associate with them without people knowing what it is mm -hmm. but then at the end of the day they have the agency and reminding them that they have the choice that they can share mm -hmm. whatever the painting wants about yeah. so that's that's something that it really it really brings a lot of joy because it's it's a multifaceted it's not about doing this one-on-one -on -one, but it's really doing it as a community and the most powerful moments is when you see kids or children or moms in the same family acknowledge that they're going through all of these struggles but also that they have other really positive things in their lives like a lot of the children admire their parents but they never have the the space to tell them how much they matter to them because that's not something that our culture or like our society values so how can we restore that value and art typically makes it more accessible uh, for people to be able to share and speak their truth and then knowing that they're not alone mm -hmm. because we do that in community mm -hmm. because we do that with other people that are going through similar experiences and how can we show that with one another and share it mm -hmm. so how did you do the same type of work through dance so movement for me it's a way that i can just like release and be myself mm -hmm. and a lot of it is being able to identify the specific parts of my body and being able to physically feel what would it look like to feel joy mm -hmm. and how can my body express that mm -hmm. how does it feel to to really think about 
pain and sadness when I am sad typically my shoulders are down mm-hmm. I have a very weird feeling in my stomach mm-hmm. so how can I manifest that through movement mm-hmm. and how can that serve me to process about what are those emotions and feelings that are evoking by by not having my dad here mm-hmm. and how can I release that and yeah. acknowledge it yeah yeah, it's hard, you know, really understanding your feelings is difficult. You know, when you mentioned the anger and love, right? It's the same color, but isn't that the place of so many people's mm-hmm. struggle with love, right? Like they uh, think that intensity mm-hmm. always has to equal intimacy. And so you see people in like bad relationships because they get that like line blurred. But um, you're right, like being in spaces where you're really looking at that. What am I feeling? Where does that come? from how can I understand that for myself uh, and potentially how can I explain it to somebody else I think is really important because mm-hmm. you're right I noticed um you know I won't disclose names or anything but with one of my students that you know mm-hmm. um, she was feeling a lot of like internalized depression about her status and where she was and what happened and um, you know I know it was good for me to be able to say, like, you know, we were here first. You're so close to be here. Like, you shouldn't feel bad about being here. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, if anybody should get the say who should be around, you would think it would be the people that are here first. So, you know, thinking and feeling that way, you don't have to. If you do, that's fine. But it's not something you have to hold on to necessarily either. Because that whole notion of... Uh, having to prove or justify your existence. Mm-hmm. That's something we've always had to do, right? Like mm-hmm. our BIA cards, our qua- blood quantum, yeah. having to prove to someone that eventually doesn't want you to exist by saying, okay, this percentage means you're no longer this. Mm-hmm. It's been really difficult too. Cause there's, it's the same idea, it's just used in different ways. Cause you know, you know, sadly both Spanish and English are languages of colonization Um, and that's had a lot of uh, impact on both of us and like when you think in the way you know having to sort through your feelings in the language of an oppressor is really hard um, because there's certain notions or ideas that are stuck into making you feel and think that way and sometimes to be very candid it's like people are afraid to share their feelings because every time that you do you feel vulnerable And we have been taught by many years with our society that when you're in a position of of being vulnerable, you are going to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also about how are we relating to one another and how can we create really like a safe space for you to just be. With all the contradictions, with all the nuances, how can you reflect inwardly about what does it mean to be you? And how can you share that with people around your community about what it means to be you? And I think that those are the, the deeper questions that we're trying to get about how do we relate to one another and how do we just start the conversation that it is okay to, to be human and to relate with people in a very deep, meaningful way mm-hmm. that you probably don't feel comfortable even with your closest friends and that's something that we've been able to witness and I feel very humble and honored to have seen 
many people really share about their deepest fears but also their deepest joys and what brings them inspiration and their dreams and that's something that we don't take a lot of time to do and at least for me it brings a lot of joy seeing the possibilities and mm -hmm. that people have within them and knowing that they can follow those dreams and it might be harder it might be way more difficult but how how can we do that and hold on to that and know that we don't have to do it alone that we have a whole village that backs us up yeah it's sad that vulnerability has been framed as weakness mm -hmm. when it's truly the i've never seen strength like vulnerability that's strength on a level you know you can have as big as muscles or look as tough <laughs> in the world but like truly being able to be your open true vulnerable self in front of someone mm -hmm. is the most amazing strength and i think that's where you know, if people can be in spaces where they're allowed to be and it's brave enough, human connection just starts going all over the place. Because mm -hmm. I think there's a natural pull to seeing someone's true self and being like, wow, you know, there's a lot of your truths that I've experienced, but I'm not okay with saying it. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're in a space where you can share those things with me, mm -hmm. that connection I think it has the capacity to undo some of these horrible law things. Yeah. And it builds empathy, understanding, and really being able to connect, as you said, at a deeper level where people can see eye to eye and they mm -hmm. might have different approaches. But I think that if people are able to see that at the end of the day, we are a reflection of one another mm -hmm. and the laws and the policies and structures that we're creating might not be harming a specific population today. Mm -hmm. But if we continue to go, who is going to tell you that your population is not the next one? And being able to see that connectedness that is like at the end of the day, like if I am painting a, a way forward that it's going to acknowledge everybody's humanity and I can see myself reflected in you, then that's my hope that we will have a better place. Well, I'm trying to find a way to explain how the separation hurts the oppressor too. Mm -hmm. Like they're just not aware of the richness of life that's being lost in the isolation. Um, like you get stuff and I mean, it helps maybe you and your family, but the life is so much more constricted and narrowed and sometimes not you because it's an expectation of you. I'm trying to find a way of explaining that better yeah. uh, because uh, it costs people that benefit too. They mm -hmm. just don't know because it's supposed to be